This is the FoxSportsFlorida.com Miami Heat Podcast, and I'm your host, Surya Fernandez. Joining me once again is Sun Sentinel Heat reporter Ira Winderman. Thanks for taking some time from the Heat's road trip to join us, Ira. Oh, oh my pleasure. Absolutely. Glad to join you. Uh, this has been a, uh, an odd um, run uh, lately. The, the, the recent losses have been pretty troubling. Um, against the Mavericks, the Heat give up a a 37 to two run uh, against the Bucks, a 17 to five run in the fourth quarter, and and now against the league worst Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, a 20 to six run in the fourth quarter. Uh, so those are all big runs in the second half. What's the cause for this? I mean, I, I don't recall seeing a Heat team in recent memory like just not competing. Uh, what is going on with these second half struggles? Is this just something that can be corrected or? Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's confounding to me how how they can give up such big runs. Well, I got to tell you, usually in the NBA, when another team goes on a run, whether it's like you said, the Mavericks in the second half, whether it's Detroit at the end of that first quarter, whether it's Minnesota coming back from a ten point fourth quarter deficit, usually how a team stops it is this way: they have a perimeter scorer who they just simply put the ball in his hands and they say, "Get us points." I think if Dwayne Wade was around for right. these games, I think it makes a huge difference. I think that's the difference. When you look at the lineup they threw out there against the Pistons and against the Timberwolves, when you need a basket, your really best choice lately, let's be honest, is to sign Whiteside. Yeah. But he's not a creator. You have to get the ball to him in scoring position. Your second best option is Chris Bosch. But let's be honest. He's a jump shooter, so it's all or nothing. You're not going to get a foul. You're not going to get free throws to break the streak. That's what the Heat lack right now. Their guards are basically all point guards. Mario Chalmers attacks sometimes and sometimes not very well. Norris Cole has really been struggling. Tyler Johnson is never going to get a favorable whistle until the referees actually learn his name. So when you look at what the Heat's throwing out there, Shabazz Napier, a guy who settles for jumpers, they don't have that one guy who they say, hey, the team offense isn't working. We need points. Get us points. That's been the problem. That's been the real thing that's been showing with Dwayne Wade out. And to me, and I, I discussed this with Pat Riley, I think that's the flaw of this roster. You need more creative players in your wing rotation. Yeah, and, and, and we've talked about this before in, in previous podcasts, uh, the, the, the very poor play from the Heat's backcourt, and especially in Wade's absence. And they kind of turned it around against the Timberwolves. But again, it wasn't enough to get a, a, a win against one of the league's worst teams overall, especially on defense. Uh, is is there any solution in sight to to get more production out of that backcourt? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 what's in sight is Dwayne Wade. Please get your right hamstring as healthy as possible, <laughs> and do not go out again this season. I mean, this is the third absence with a hamstring related or hamstring type injury. He's the most irreplaceable guy. It was really interesting. You know, we joke about Hassan Whiteside, and he's been terrific lately, and how he has to be on the floor for the Heat to win. But to me, it's really the perimeter rotation. Luel Dang, we knew from the start, was a complimentary player. Runs off screens, creates open shots for others, but is not a definitive scorer when it comes to put the ball in his hands and get out of the way. I think this is roster-wise. Remember, we have the Heat has the... $2.65 million exception for Josh McRoberts. Yep. They can use on a player before March 10th. They have the February 19th trading deadline approach. They have players coming back from overseas in China. We've already seen Tony Douglas come back from China and sign with New Orleans. So there are options. It's a matter of how proactive the Heat will be or if they just say, hey, this thing just is broken, isn't going to get fixed. I'm real curious to see this team's approach. 
and and yeah, we we have to see what's going to happen in this next month or two because if Wade continues to be out for an extended amount of time or he can't stay, you know, relatively healthy, uh, there's a question of whether this team can even make the playoffs at this point because the the, the Bucks are. Um, I think they're like six games above the Heat at this point. And no, I, I agree with you that I think the top six are locked out of the Heat, or the Heat right. locked out of the top six. I mm-hmm. totally agree. No matter how you reorder them, uh, when you go up there with Atlanta and Cleveland and Washington and Toronto, and, and you throw in Milwaukee there as well, when you look at the top six teams in the Eastern Conference right now, Chicago also, of course, yep. they, that's out of reach. The Heat's playing a little subset, almost you can create your own standings. And their standings right now are two playoff spots between themselves and and the and Charlotte mm-hmm. and Brooklyn and Detroit and maybe and I'm really curious about these rumors about Paul George possibly returning maybe the Pacers now also so right. you know, they're looking at basically five divided into two and 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 the February features games you know against the um, the Cavaliers and the Hawks those are going to be tough tough games but they also face the Knicks twice. Um, they, they face the magic as well. Uh, they've, they've lost several games in a row. They just fired their head coach and, and they also face the 76ers. Is, is this an opportunity maybe to, to maybe solidify that, that seventh uh, spot? Let's, let's look back. Let's look back a little. Let's look back when the Heat had a seven game homestand in December and you <laughs> yeah. and I spoke and you said, is this the opportunity? Right. And then let's look back to the games when they played those Sixers, when they played those magic, mm-hmm. when they just played the Timberwolves. In, in the in the game on this on this home set, on this road trip, yeah. you know, and when they played the Jazz, you look at the bottom of the standings, and there's a lot of teams down there smiling because they beat the Heat. So yeah, you'd love to say, hey, they're playing the Knicks a couple of times. You mm-hmm. know, they still have Orlando left, but but it's not when a they sure thing. Yeah. This road trip, they said they had Detroit, and they said they had Minnesota. <laughs> right, and now they have, and now they have to face the 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 Spurs right now. This is going to be an NBA Finals rematch, basically. But it's, I mean, it's almost hard to believe just how different uh, the pass both teams uh, took after that series. Um, I mean, it's 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 unbelievable, really, what what, what has happened. Well, there, there's one team that's built on consistency and continuity, and except for David Robinson stepping out and Kawhi Leonard stepping in, the Spurs are what they are. They work through what they have. The Heat, by, by contrast, has always been a team whether it's with Chak, whether it's 2010, whether it's this rebuild this offseason, that's been their modus operandi to upgrade, to try to get different people to be an evolving roster. So you have Popovich and R.C. Buford, who, who presided over stability. You have Mickey Arison, Pat Riley, Andy Ellisberg, Nick Arison, who've been dynamic on the personnel market. There's a couple of ways to do it, and I know this sounds kind of odd, but you still don't know of these two teams. Who's the next one to win the championship? Because for as good as the Spurs are right now, yeah. they're still in that Western Conference. You still have teams at the top there playing so well right. that you honestly don't know if the Spurs will even win a playoff round this year. There still is a chance, please stop laughing, that the Heat could wind up winning a playoff round this year and maybe San Antonio doesn't. That's how tough the Spurs have it this year. That's true. That's true. That's one way of looking at it. And. <laughs> Is is but is is this recent play from the Heat and and yes obviously it's contingent on on Wade returning and and being healthy is this something that the Heat psychologically can bounce back from or do you see this season kind of falling apart even if even if there is you know a lot of basketball left to play this is about leadership and the problem for this team is there are two team captains one is Udonis Haslam and God bless him for what he has done for this franchise but when you don't play it's hard to lead from the end of the bench. 
The other is Dwayne Wade, who has been away from the Heat now for a week. If you're not healthy, it's difficult to lead. We know that Chris Bosh has come out and made some very strong statements, but he has more of a reserve personality. So to me, it comes down to Eric Spolster's strong voice in the locker room. It comes down to does Pat Riley step into the locker room or at least the practice court and make a statement with his players. To me, the leadership in this situation has to come externally from inside the organization because I'm not so sure that he'd have the players that could pull it together right now. And, do, and does this fall any any sort of way on, on Bosch? I mean, he did sign that max contract. He did start the season pretty well, and, and he's continued to shoot well, and, and, and he's saying the right things. He, he, you know, he, he's definitely upset after all these losses. But isn't it kind of on him? Even if he is maybe just a, a jump shooter, maybe he does have um, – you know, he can only do so much maybe on the court, yeah. just one player. But is this is this also something on him, well, his leadership? you know, I, I look at it a couple of ways. You could say, yes, he needs to do more, but he's been scoring pretty routinely. His shooting percentage is down. But let's right. look back at that Detroit game. He scored 21 points in the third quarter. When the Heat were desperate to get back into the game, mm-hmm. he offered arguably his best quarter of the season. And the Heat still weren't close in that game. I think that gets awfully frustrating for a player when he goes out and plays his best and still it's not there and there's no one there to help him. When he hits a jumper and then DJ Augustine makes a layup. When he hits a jumper and then DJ Augustine finds someone for a pass to hit a jumper. When he hits a jumper and then the other team outraces the Heat's guards. So I think there's a frustration there. That's why I think it has to come from the coaching staff, from leadership, from management, because I think this team right now, there's not a single confident enough person in that locker room who feels comfortable enough to really be the strong arm of leadership. But And, and it's an interesting point that you brought up with that Bosch run, because I feel like sometimes the Heat kind of get stuck a little bit on a player like Bosch or Whiteside if he's if he's hot. And, and the ball kind of sticks to that one player. And and it's a completely different offense when they're swinging the ball around. Uh, somebody like Lowell Dang is cutting to the basket and, and, you know, passes are being made and they're looking for the right shot. Uh, do you think they do a little bit too much of that hero ball kind of thing where they they, they ride the hot hand a little too much and the offense gets you know, yeah, too predictable? I, I, I think you're making a very strong point there. I, I know everyone, even Sam Mangundi the other day, really praised Eric Spolster for how he's operating the offense and what he's done and with the cuts they're making and the equal opportunity. I'm not so sure that he doesn't need to get back to some more basic NBA stuff, maybe some floppy action, maybe <laughs> some direct feeds into the post with Hassan Whiteside and the way he's playing. I think they almost need to simplify it and play more to strengths. And yet there are times, even when the scores have been low, you still turn the other way and you say, but if you have a point guard who can't make the play, who isn't comfortable, if you have point guards who can't stop the other team, you're kind of in a bad spot there also. So again, it sort of goes back to what you and I started with. It really does begin, end, and everything in the middle is point guard, point guard, point guard. Right, and and even on defense too, because uh, lately a lot of opposing point guards have been abusing uh, players like Shabazz Napier, and um, and Norris Cole yeah, as well, the, let's be the, honest. The, the Shabazz thing is really interesting because I don't think Shabazz Napier has merited being a starter. We know that Eric Spolster likes his playmaking when Dwayne is out. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I understand it. We understand that if you are going to have young players, you want to break them in. I think it might be someone telling Eric, hey, it might be a good idea to play him. I respect that from the front office when they have a first-round pick. But I, I still think Shabazz Napier might be making or might be able to make his greatest gains if he was in the D-League getting regular minutes, a little less pressure, 
not having to worry about missing shots but getting comfortable with his stroke, I still think he could wind up with some time in Sioux Falls once Dwayne Wade returns to the lineup. Uh, and well, that's interesting. You, you, and do you think maybe like Tyler Johnson would benefit from something like that as well, or uh, I, I mean, I they have no Tyler choice? Johnson for what he is, see Tyler Johnson for what he is is a number five guard, a, a swing combo guard. I think he's NBA ready for that kind of role as a quote unquote fifth guard. Mm-hmm. The thing is that's that's his upside, and that's fine, and that's all you expect from an undrafted player. What you're trying to find out is, is there any way with Napier you can recapture what he had at UConn as a championship guard and as a leader on the floor who commands respect? That's why I think playing time in the D-League might be a little more for him than sending Tyler Johnson back down there if they pick up his contract after his second 10-day expires on Saturday. Right, right. and that's, that's another thing right there. I mean, wh- what will they do? I mean, he, he's given them you know, decent minutes. but I would keep him. I would keep him for this reason. If I'm rating my roster 1 through 15, mm-hmm. and I'm saying, hey, we might use that, that injured player exception, we might sign a player from overseas, we might add a player, I still think you can give up on the Justin Hamilton roster spot. Now that you have Hassan Whiteside, easier than giving up on Tyler Johnson on a team that's desperate from anything from its backcourt. So honestly, if I'm ranking a team 1 through 15, I would say the bubble player right now, in my view, is Justin Hamilton. Interesting, yeah. I'm, and, well, with the emergence of, of Whiteside, uh, right. Hamilton... You have centers. You have Birdman. Right. You, have, you have Whiteside. You have Haslam. These are the guaranteed contract for another season. You have Bosch. You know, now if Birdman gets traded, that, tr- that changes the equation. So I think by February 19th, we'll know a lot more. Hmm. And, 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 and speaking of Whiteside, can he continue this sort of pace? Is he for real? Because if, if he is, if he continues to play like this... Doesn't he have to be considered the front runner for for most improved player? Oh, absolutely. Oh, oh, I, I don't, I don't think there's any question with that at all. I mean, he's come into the game late. Some people say you can't be most improved when you weren't in the league the previous season. You know, there's some thought to that that it's improvement from one season to another in NBA play. That's why a lot of people have Jimmy Butler as the runaway favorite from supporting player to to all-star over Derrick Rose, but what Whiteside's doing, just like Jeremy Lin that one year, if he could have maintained it, yeah. but he didn't. But yeah, Whiteside right now, I know I'm going to put it to you a better way. If Whiteside was in this NBA draft, I believe he would be the first-round pick ahead of Okafer. So forget about who's improved. What I'm <laughs> saying is he's probably most coveted right now. Yeah, it's 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 amazing, really, his story. Um, and, and I think... I think the Heat are bringing it along well. It's just unfortunate that that it really hasn't produced any wins with his emergence. Um, but you'd like to think that a starting five featuring Whiteside, Bosch, Soon Wade would would be enough to compete in the East. I mean, you're seeing what what the Hawks have and, done. And, and if Wade was healthy, and with Dang, and with Bosch, and you're right, Nick it Roberts. should be. <laughs> and you need to now get Dwayne. And remember, Whiteside was playing well with Dwayne before Dwayne got hurt. You know, and, yeah. and then. And then these losses came to Dallas and to Detroit and to Minnesota. So that's the last hope. You know, you're sort of holding on by the strap with a runaway train, you know, hoping not to fall off of it. And it all comes down to, can Dwayne Wade coming back make this right? We'll know that soon enough when he comes back. Okay. And, and, but let's, you know, let's play devil's advocate or just like, let's be pessimistic about it. Is, is it in their best interest to, to maybe miss the playoffs and instead take their chance with the lottery. Their first-round pick uh, it was originally traded to the Cavs uh, when LeBron signed with the Heat. Uh, and mm-hmm. now it's with Philadelphia. I, I believe it was during the uh, Thaddeus, Thaddeus Young trade 
that it was sent it, to them. And it's protected. Right. It, it actually went from, originally it went from Cleveland to Minnesota in the Kendall Love trade. Right. Then it went from Minnesota for Thaddeus Young to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It's top 10 protected, not top 10 final record, top 10 results of the lottery. The problem is this. There were already five teams in the Western Conference worse than the Heat. At the moment, there were seven teams in the East worse than the Heat. So to be able to definitively fall, and you can't just be 10, because in the lottery, if one of the other four playoff teams beyond you mm-hmm. dumps in the lottery, as you've seen happen with Cleveland and Chicago and other teams recently, right. then you wind out up outside the top 10. So really, if you want to assure yourself of a top 10 finish in the lottery, you have to pretty much be the, among the nine worst records. That might be even harder to do for the Heat than to make the playoffs. Right, because I mean that's what some people might think, but it, it's not you know it's not that cut and dry uh, as far as their that first round pick goes. So it's a little complicated in that. Um, sure. So I mean, really, how do you project the rest of the season to to to, to go the Heat's I, I way? Because it's it's so far it's been. On, I, I yeah. projected resting on Dwayne Wade. I, I I really think it's incumbent on him to come back before the All Star break to play in the New York and Cleveland game and get at least one of those victories to not overstress himself during All-Star Weekend. I know he really does want to play. He knows it might be one of his last appearances. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see. And then you'll get back into that rhythm. It's good. You start in New York right after the All-Star break. You'll see who this team can be. And, again, you'll have a little bit of time now before that all, before the February 19th trading deadline, if Dwayne plays these next two, to see what the possibilities are. Beat the Knicks. Play competitively against the Cavaliers. You'll have hope of the trading deadline. Lose to the Knicks and to the Cavaliers, and Dwayne doesn't come back. Then I think you really have to look at an aggressive approach at the trading deadline, either for the future or to beef things up for the moment. Yeah, yeah. And and final question: I know there was some criticism, you know, like from like Charles Barkley, for example. Do, do you think the Heat deserve to have two All Stars? I don't think any team with this record at All-Star Weekend, and I think it'll almost be a source of embarrassment for the franchise, they absolutely do not. And I think the NBA would love nothing more, and I don't mean this in a bad way, if Dwayne Wade can play, and if they do have to replace him on a roster with a player from a team with a winning record, I think that absolutely would be the direction they would want to go anyway. I, th- right. I think it's, you know, you can look at Oklahoma City and saying, hey, they have Durant, they have Westbrook. They've been struggling also. Apples and oranges. They're struggling against Western Conference competition. Yeah. Chris Bosh, one heat hate. They're four-time defending NBA Eastern Conference champions. You can make an argument that you deserve it just based on that. Two All-Stars, I think that is a little bit suspect. <laughs> All right, then once again, thank you so much for, for joining us uh, for a lively discussion on, on the Heat's fortunes and, and misfortunes. Um, how can we find you on Twitter? Well, honestly, I mean, if you're a Heat fan, you're not following uh, Ira yeah, on Twitter. How can you not know? Really? I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am at Ira Heat Beat, uh, I R A H E A T B E A T at Twitter.com. Of course, at the SunCentral.com. Right. And every day at SunCentral.com, ask Ira and answer your questions every day because that's what I do. Great, great. Thanks again. And uh, we'll talk soon. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care.